You are listening to the Life Coach School podcast with Brooke Castillo, episode number 69. Welcome to the Life Coach School podcast, where it's all about real clients, real problems, and real coaching. And now your host, Master Coach Instructor, Brooke Castillo. How are you guys? What's happening? I'm so, so happy to be here and recording and talking to you all. You are in for a very awesome treat. In this episode, I interview Karen Anderson. And what I love about Karen, I love so many things about Karen. One of the things that I love about her is the work that she does with clients and their mothers, because I've had so much work that I've done on my own mother, <laughs> that her work has been really, really helpful to me. So I know you guys are going to love this. Tune in. And if you want more of Karen's deliciousness, you can go to kclanderson.com and check her out. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. I am here with Karen Anderson, and we are going to talk today about your and our mothers. <laughs> Welcome, Karen. I'm so happy to have you here. Karen is one of my master coaches and one of my very dear friends, and we love talking about our mothers together. So Karen, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you and the work that you do? So I came to this work about the mother thing, the mother-daughter thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a lifelong part of my life, and I've done all kinds of work on it. And it wasn't until I started really digging in with Brooke, with you, Brooke, mm -hmm. that I finally really, really got it. Mm -hmm. And once I did, it was sort of like, oh, my God, I cannot not do this work. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why I do it, because... I guess it's kind of like the freedom that has come from doing the work on my, my mother issues mm -hmm. impresses me. It impresses me beyond anything I've ever done before. Yeah. The freedom, the creativity, the, all the things that have come as a result of having done that work. It's, it's, I mean, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's been life changing, seriously right. life changing. And I cannot not, as I said, not do it for others, not do it with others. And what has been the most spectacular aspect of it is that all this other stuff in my life got cleaned up at the same time. Yes. I mean, not, it wasn't like flipping a switch or anything, but you know what I mean? It was sort of like all this other stuff just sort of fell into place. Okay. So let's, let's start off. I have 700 questions. Let's start <laughs> off with tell us a little bit about your mother and your relationship with your mother and briefly tell us when you refer to doing the work on it what what do you mean the self-coaching work the coaching work what does that look like and um, what have been the benefits really specifically of doing that so I've spent I spent a lot of my adult life feeling very anxious feeling afraid feeling that I can't take care of myself feeling angry, feeling pathetic, mm -hmm. <laughs> things like that. And my relationship with my mom up until a certain point was very, very close. And what I realized when I kind of broke away from her, and I did that rather late in life, and I started 
you know, not spending as much time with her and not spend, you know, not talking to her very often, Mm -hmm. I started to realize that we actually weren't close. We were enmeshed. Mm -hmm. And there were, there was a lot of codependency there. Mm -hmm. And the more I removed myself from her and her life, the more I started to want to know who I am separate from her because Mm -hmm. I had never really given myself that opportunity. Yeah. And as a result of doing that, and this was, you know, this was before I got into coaching. As a result of doing that, it put a real strain on our relationship and she, she didn't like it mm-hmm. at all. So there's been, there's been a lot of upset, <laughs> right. a lot of discord, a lot of, you know, not, not very nice things that happened as a result of that. And so I found myself spending a lot of time either feeling righteously indignant and angry Mm -hmm. or feeling just incredibly guilty and ashamed of myself. Yeah. God, I can so relate to this. And neither of those things felt good. Right. But I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do. Like I didn't, you know, I, I, that's, those were like the only two choices I thought I had was to be angry and like, get out of my life or be this guilty pathetic sort of little girl who does whatever her mom wants. Right. And neither, neither of those were acceptable Yeah, and <laughs> at you a know, certain point. I, you I know? think so many of the people listening, so many of my clients that come to me, I've talked to so many people that have such similar experiences with their mother. There's this enmeshment that can happen when you're a child, when you, your mother really hasn't developed herself, I think, is a lot of the situations. And then that enmeshment happens at a really young age. And it's hard for some people to, like what you said, like break away from, you know, their mothers and still maintain a healthy relationship. So when you did, and, and you know, we're going to talk more about boundaries for sure, because that's such a huge <laughs> one. And I've talked a lot about my own boundaries on this podcast. But when I did that with my mother, it was a very similar experience, right? So I set boundaries with her in a very loving way. And she was not amused at all and very upset and very, very angry. So it was kind of that all or nothing, right? It's either we're totally enmeshed or I have absolutely no contact with you at all. So, okay, so you found yourself in the position that I was in where you're like either totally angry and indignant or you're feeling guilty and horrible and like you're a bad daughter. So what did you, where did you go from there? Well, as I said, there's been therapy and there's been all the books that I've read and all of that was very helpful because it helped me feel like I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And it also started to give me some language for what actually was maybe the case, um, maybe happening. And Okay, so wait, um, let's talk about that. So we actually talked a little bit before we started the recording and I said, no, 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 shut up. Don't say anything. We got to record <laughs> all of this. So um, we had talked about this idea that a lot of Karen's clients come to her and say that their mother is a narcissist. And we were talking about, is that a useful label or not? And so let's talk a little bit about that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, as I said, you know, I think if a woman feels that her mother is a narcissist or thinks her mother is a narcissist, that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. What's really kind of fascinating is that my mother believes that her mother is a narcissist mm. and, you know, is always constantly talking about that. But it, it doesn't really matter whether she is or she isn't. What matters is that you believe that. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it can be very helpful to understand what narcissism is and how it manifests and what it looks like between mothers and daughters and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But then it can also be, at least it was 
in my case, it eventually became unhelpful Mm -hmm. because I started to say, oh, well, my mom's a narcissist. So I'm just, that's the way I am. So I'm stuck. Mm. You know, would you know how to define that? If I put you on the spot and say, how would you define narcissist or narcissistic personality disorder? Oh, I'm not a psychologist. Okay, wait, I'm going to (laughs) look it up and read it. I'm going to read it because I do think that it's helpful for some people to have that label, especially in the beginning, if they're really struggling in their relationship. So let me just read what it is so people know what we are speaking of. Okay, it says narcissistic personality disorder is a mental disorder in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for admiration and a lack of empathy for others. But behind this mask of ultra confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. A narcissistic personality disorder causes problems in many areas of life, such as relationships, work, school, financial affairs. So I think that, and and then the other thing that I had looked up that I thought was interesting is specifically narcissist, oh my gosh, that's so hard to spell, narcissistic mothers. And there's a lot out there. Yeah. There's a lot being said, and I I think there's a lot that can be useful. So actually, a couple, actually, I'm just looking at it now. It was in 2011. Mm -hmm. I wrote a blog post, and it was basically just a series of questions. Okay. And it was, do you have the urge to self-punish or self-sabotage? Do you hope that your mother will change? Do you feel guilty when you've established a healthy boundary? Do Mm. you feel like you don't belong or fit in? Do you fear her? Do you feel unworthy? Do you feel inherently flawed? Do you have low self-esteem? Are you afraid of getting into trouble? Do you still feel like a little girl? Do you have no inner authority? Do you feel like she never really loved you or that conditions were attached to her love? Do you feel like you can't love yourself or be yourself? Are you unable to accept praise? Okay, interesting. Those are questions that if you answer yes, your mother might be a narcissist. Yeah. And so basically what it says is that a mother who is a narcissist will see that their child is an extension of themselves, basically, and they don't let go. That's where that enmeshment comes in. Right. And so it, what's so fascinating about that enmeshment that happens in so many mother-daughter relationships is that even though the mother appears to be being very kind and the mother appears to be very loving and very connected, if you really analyze what's going on in that relationship, it's always about the mother and it's not about the child. Right. So, yeah, I have a, a really great example of okay. that yeah, tell in, me. With, with my mom is that whenever I've been around her and her friends, mm-hmm. she is extremely, she praises me mm-hmm. and talks about how wonderful I am and, you know, all this stuff. And then, but behind, you know, when it's just her and me, mm-hmm. I mean, and here's a really good example. I've been blogging since 2009 okay. and she knows about it and she, you know, she's looked at my blog here and there several years ago. She was telling, you know, I was with her and she was telling some people, oh, Karen's this great blogger and she loves to blog and you should read her blog. It's so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And then Mm -hmm. later she sent me an email and told me that I should be ashamed of myself for blogging. Interesting. Yeah. So there you go. It was like, what? (laughs) You know, like... It's kind of like the idea. And when you're talking about a narcissistic personality disorder, it's I I will praise you and acknowledge you when it reflects well on me. Yeah, exactly. Which is is very interesting. So anyway, so back to this definition, I think for a lot of 
clients, it's helpful to recognize and to say, oh my gosh, some of the reasons why I feel this way when it comes to myself and the way I was raised and my mother is because my mother is a narcissist. And I think that it's overly labeled. I think mm-hmm. everybody can be a narcissist, right? So I think you have to yeah, be Yeah, well, really, everybody really is. Right. Everybody has <laughs> some, some level. Yeah. 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 So I think that um, when you look at your relationship with your mother and you see, and I this is true for everyone, whether you think you had a meshed relationship or not, I think, you know, if it's that all or nothing relationship with your mother, that for sure will affect you as an adult. And that is true whether your mother is still living or has passed. And I think exactly. that's what's so fascinating is the work that I've done with with um, so many women whose mothers have passed. So yep. let's talk a little bit about once you kind of got to this place where you were, okay, um, I've read all these books, my mother might be a narcissist, and then you were feeling either your, your two options were completely guilty or indignant, then how did you process from there? With your help. Okay. So talk about, <laughs> talk about the process that you went through and, and what you do with your clients. So it's funny because when I think about how I came to come to the life coach school, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I knew people who had done it and, you know, but it's funny because I, I sometimes think that, you know, and maybe if the only reason, if the only thing that comes of it is that I healed this, I'm good. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's funny because I think the same with master coach training because with in master coach training, I went even deeper on it mm-hmm. and it was like, I was bound and determined to get to the bottom of it and clean up my head on that because right. it was that important to me. So the process that I take my clients through, it's not set in stone, but it kind of goes like this. We talk about, I, I know that it's really important for women to have the opportunity to sort of let it all out yes. and to say, to say all the things and be witnessed and acknowledged. Agreed. Yes. Because it's so important. And I think, you know, most of the women who come to me understand based on how I write, you know, because I I send out a newsletter every week to them and they know that I'm not going to let them hang on forever (laughs) to that story. But I know how important it is to be heard on that. And so the first thing I like to do with women is to take them through a process where they tell the story as long as it takes, however many pages it takes to write it down or spill it all out. And then we work on paring it down to the facts Mm -hmm. so that they can start to separate out the facts from the thoughts and the feelings that they're having about the story and what they've made it mean about them and so on and so forth. So that's, that's like the first, the very first part is Mm -hmm. to, to have that acknowledgement and to say, yep, (laughs) I know how you feel sister. Yes. Yes. And then, then it's all about the emotions because the emotions are so complex and they're so, in some cases or most cases, they're conflicting. Yes. You know, because you want to love your mother. Of course. And then, but you find yourself like, I hate her. Right. You know, like, I, I, I mean, I, there have been times where I'm like, I just wish she were dead. Well, and I think <laughs> what's so hard about it is that you think, that your relationship with your mother should be a certain way and you, and you think yeah. you should be a certain daughter and you shouldn't right. feel any sort of anger or hate towards and mother's mother. Yeah. It's so taboo yeah. too. I mean, you know, come mother's day, it's like, Oh my God, yes. you know, and, and 
it's you're just so you know, ungrateful it, if you don't right and oh well it's on you it. and it's it's funny i'm actually i just finished writing a newsletter post for this week and it's entitled it's not on you it's right. not on you to fix it right right you know it's not your responsibility to fix this and you're not a bad person if you don't you know, one of the things when you're talking about emotions, when you're working with your clients, one of the things in my own personal work that I had to really deal with is when I was a child, my mother was very depressed. I think the nature of depression is to be self-absorbed because you you literally cannot function, right? When you're depressed at, at the level that my mother was. And so it was always about her emotion because her emotion was always kind of leading the day. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I really had to unlearn. And it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing for someone that hasn't had this experience. But if you've had this experience, you're nodding your head right now as you're listening is realizing that I'm not responsible for anyone else's feelings, but my own. Right. And it seems like common sense, but it truly isn't. It was, it, I, I literally had to learn, I am responsible for how I feel and how I feel really matters. And mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for how someone else feels. And my behavior this is the huge piece and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But what I had to learn is my behavior to take care of myself is for me and not against her and how she feels about it is truly none of my business. And that, my friend, was the hardest piece, I would say, for me. Yeah, for me, it was was that because when you're a little tiny baby even and your mother is making you responsible for how she feels, even though she doesn't even know that. Of course. But I mean, it's so funny. I was in the grocery store one day and I heard this woman talking to her kids, you know, and they were little, like five, six years old. And she was like, oh, you make mommy so happy. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, you know. Like, no. <laughs> Don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but conversely, was acknowledging that I was making her responsible for my feelings. Mm, yeah. And owning that was hard, you know, like, oh my gosh, so hard. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, because it's like one or the other, right? So I was as growing up and even even now always like I feel responsible if she's upset or I feel responsible if she's angry or whatever. But then I started feeling resentful and Mm. angry with her and blaming her exactly what you just said, blaming her for my feelings towards her. And what was really happening is I didn't have proper boundaries And so that's why I was feeling so angry and resentful, but I was blaming her. So can we talk a little bit about boundaries? Because I think that's... Oh, boundaries is everything. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the big things I teach as well is there's a whole section on boundaries. Yeah. So, okay. So once you teach about emotions, you kind of let them hear their story and then you really teach about emotions because that's so important. And and teaching them how to feel them in their body and know where they're coming from and all that kind of thing. And then, then, then we get into the thoughts Mm -hmm. and just becoming the observer, Mm -hmm. you know, and what does that mean to be aware? And then I teach them, you know, how, you know, sort of the whole connection between the circumstances, your thoughts, your feelings, and how they're all connected and how to, how to tease them apart and look at them separately yeah. And we go through that in the first few weeks. And that's, um, that's so key because I think for me, when you, you're in a relationship with your mother, that's so powerful to be able to separate out her as a person and your thoughts about her as a person. It seems almost trivial when I say it like that, but it's everything. It's everything. Well, and as I said, if, if it's been there like that since you were a tiny baby, right. 
you know, you're kind of like, you don't know any different. Yeah. And I, I've often wondered why, like, how come, you know, and this is sometimes I still beat myself up, but whatever. I sometimes still beat myself up. Like, why did it take me as long as it did? And mm. other women are like, they turn into rebels when they're 13 or 15 or 18 or 25 or whatever. And, you know, they don't care what mom thinks. So it right. took me until I was well into my 40s, right, <laughs> you right. know. But whatever, that's how enmeshed it can be. Of course. Yeah. And the you know? reasons, and this is the thing is like the reasons we behave the way we do and the reasons why is all in our mind. And when we start, you know, the work that you're doing is so important because when you start really uncovering what's in your mind and what you believe that you don't even know you believe, you can right. blow your own mind. I mean, literally, that's what you do. <laughs> I blow you, my mind all the time. <laughs> exactly. You blow your own mind. Okay. So let's talk a little bit. Once you've kind of got your feelings kind of understood and you understand the model and you've separated yep. out the facts from the, the thinking, then, um, then it's about boundaries. Yeah. Let's talk about boundaries and how you work with your clients on that. So I think a lot of women, you know, they believe that, well, if mom just didn't do X, then I wouldn't be angry, yes. you know? And so now that they have, now that women, you know, once they've worked with me, have that sort of solid understanding of this, mm -hmm. then they're ready to look at boundaries and to say, well, how do I want to show up in the relationship? Mm -hmm. And who do I want to be as an autonomous woman yes. who gets to make her own choices, right? No matter what mom does or says. And I mean, for me, I mean, this is, this was kind of a small example and this was actually, this was a boundary that I learned how to set before I knew anything about coaching, mm -hmm. but my mom would often, we would have a conversation and she would ask me about someone in the family with whom she's no longer talking. Okay. And I would just go, Oh, so blah, blah, blah. You know, and I would like tell them, tell her all the news, good mm -hmm. or bad. And she would dig and dig and dig. And, and I, I just, I would never, I never felt good after these conversations. And I would get angry that she was asking me these questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to answer those questions. And I remember saying, well, I don't want to talk about that. Or I don't want to talk about him or her. Mm -hmm. And then she would be like, oh, well, why not? You know? Mm. And I finally like realized that the boundary that I set was when she asks, I say, oh, he's fine. Mm -hmm. And nothing. And so I, what I learned was, and, and what I then learned after learning about coaching was what I was doing was I was controlling myself. I was changing my behavior in order to have this boundary. And it was, she got to ask the question, she got to say what she wanted to say, but I didn't engage. Right. And that, that's such a huge point, the difference. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, the difference between a boundary and manipulation is right. a fine line, right? So yes. first, yes. we have to make sure there is a boundary violation, right? We have to make sure that there is a boundary violation. And with enmeshed relationships with mothers, there usually are no boundaries. So there's exactly. lots of boundary violations. So one of the things that was so And you don't even know it. Right. It was so challenging for me was all of a sudden you start setting boundaries in a relationship where there has been no boundaries. There's going to be some upset in the, that relationship. So my example was, you know, in the way that I define it at the school is it's a request with a personal consequence, which means right. you say to the person or you maybe you don't, maybe it's an unspoken request. If you do this, then I will. And so it gives the person permission to do what they want to do, but it also gives you a way of protecting your boundaries. So 
you know, in a general sense, you could say if my neighbor comes into my yard <laughs> without talking to me about it, I'm going to call the police. Right. Right. Maybe. So with me, it was my mother was just calling me like six, seven times a day, constantly calling. And one of the boundaries I set with her is I just said, hey, I just want to let you know that when you call me that many times a day, I'm, I'm not going to pick up the phone. And it was just a very clear like she can keep calling me. Right. But I'm not going to answer. So continually calling me is not going to solve the issue of me not answering. I'm just not going to answer. I don't like to talk on the phone and I will not pick up the phone. And she was very angry about that because one of the things that she had an expectation of how I would behave, just like I had an expectation of how she would behave. So that was a really powerful boundary for me to set. But I want to say something that's really important for anyone that that's asked and thought about this is it's not easy to set boundaries with people that you really love because it's easy or that to you're really enmeshed with. Exactly. Because <laughs> you feel so afraid of the abandonment. Well, and that's why I like to talk a lot about setting, like understanding the concept where there's a, a request and a consequence, mm-hmm. but understanding that for my clients, especially that they don't have to necessarily make the request out loud. Right. And I show them how they can change their behavior without having made the request. Yes. Yeah, that can be really so that's, helpful. Because that helps with the fear. And yes. you can't force someone to be out of fear like that. And so... Yeah, so an example of that for my boundary would just be that I just wouldn't pick up the phone. I wouldn't actually tell her, hey, I'm not going to pick up the phone. Right, <laughs> I right. would just not pick it up. Now, it's still a boundary. She still may get very angry in that relationship. But it's one thing that... This is what it did for me. And, and I know that you can speak to this as well, because I know you've had the same experience. What it did for me, setting proper boundaries with my mother, what it did for me, first of all, was it helped me take responsibility for the relationship and my role in the relationship. And it had me take responsibility for my own resentment and my own feelings mm-hmm. of, of frustration. Mm-hmm. I got to own those. The other thing it did is it created the space where I could then love her and not be in a constant state of resentment and anger. And that was such a beautiful gift that I gave to myself. Ironically, it made her very angry. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it seemed like the more angry she got, the more loving I felt. But eventually it did it did even out. And and now it's a much clearer, delineated relationship that works so much better for me. So even though at the time it was kind of challenging and I risked losing the relationship, what it did for me is it allowed me to stay in the relationship and actually enjoy it somewhat. Well, I guess that aspect is there and it's very real. And I am someone who has set boundaries and I guess, for lack of a better word, have been rejected. You know, I I went to see her last summer for the first time in quite a while. Mm -hmm. And earlier about, I don't know, about a month or so ago, I emailed her and I said, hey, you want to get together again this summer? Mm -hmm. And she said, no, she goes, I don't see the point. I feel Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable around you. Mm -hmm. I admit that I had to take some time (laughs) because a lot of stuff happened in that moment for me. Right. But what ended up happening was it was really cool because what I started to understand was I started to understand something more about myself in Mm. relationship to my mom. And that is that what I immediately wanted to do in that moment was call everybody I know and post on Facebook and message everybody and say, look what she did to me now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. And Warmy. I, but I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> what I ended up doing, because I have made it a point that I want to feel love from my mom. And I, 
you know, sometimes it's harder <laughs> than other times. Yeah. But when I bring myself back to that, mm-hmm. I remember, okay, so I, I just simply responded and said, okay, well, let me know if you change your mind. Right. You know, and it was so, ah, uh, just like, ah, uh, you know? Yeah. There's so much more freedom. Well, yeah. So what I was going to say was, I think that there are, when you have this type of relationship with somebody some people call it narcissism. Some people call it overly controlling, uh, boundaryless relationships. I, I think there's a there's definitely a range, and they're not all the same. But let's just say that you've grown up in a relationship with your mother where you're very conforming and, and pleasing to her, people pleasing mm-hmm. with your mother. So th- I see that as an option, right? You can remain in that dance where you're completely enmeshed and you're telling your mother what she wants to hear and doing what she wants you to do, and kind of playing that role. That's one option, right? The other option is setting some boundaries and doing that hard work and trying to negotiate the relationship, if it's even possible to do that within the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then there's another option, which many of my clients have chosen, which is to completely delete the relationship and to not have it in their lives. And and they feel very good about that decision and, and they like that decision. So can you speak a little bit to, let's talk a little bit first about do you see any problems or any issues? Have you worked with people that stay in that enmeshed conforming relationship? What are the problems that that may cause? Um, staying in it makes you feel powerless. Mm-hmm. I, I have a client, actually, a former client. And what's interesting is that in this case, it was with her father, not her mother. Yeah, right. But it was very similar. Right. It was that constant resentment. Mm-hmm. And wanting to cling to the story that her father, you know, did her wrong. Mm-hmm. And that it was scary. It's scary to step into your power mm-hmm. when you've never felt like you've had it. Right. So you don't know what that looks like or feels like or is gonna, it's what's going to happen. And so, you know, in a way, it's like it's okay. It's an option for sure. It is an option. Mm-hmm. And, and something that has been very powerful for me that you've taught me is I'll never forget this is when, when I said something like, but I like being angry. And you were like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But understanding that it's the choice yes. is is the part. Right. And that And so you can say, you know what, for now I'm choosing to stay here. Yes. So And that's okay. Important. Yeah. But it's still you know? a choice. You recognize and that it is a choice, yes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, for me personally, what it did for me to stay in that relationship, and what was so interesting about it was it felt much less dramatic to just comply and to stay conforming and to just, you know, give yeah, my mother yeah, everything easier. that she wanted. It's easier it on some easier. level. Yeah. But what it did is it, it kept me in this area in my life. It kept me an emotional childhood. And for those of you who are listeners of the podcast, you know that emotional childhood is when you don't take responsibility for your feelings. So what I was doing was taking responsibility for my mother's feelings and resenting her and being very angry about it and then blaming her for those. So it kept me in the spiral of yep. powerlessness is what exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so let's talk about deleting the relationship and just... Which, yep, I've done that. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> that, about that, that a little good. bit as an option. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I was deleting the relationship back at the end of 2010. Mm -hmm. And and what ended up happening was it basically then just, I mean, no, I didn't have any contact with her for a long time. How was that for you? It was good. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of good to it, but it also consumed my thoughts Mm -hmm. and energy. I was constantly, I felt like I constantly had to let everybody know, see, I had to do this because Mm -hmm. she's like that and 
you know, like constantly improve, like I have to prove it to everybody else that I made the right decision. Because were you feeling guilty about it? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and sad and mm-hmm. angry. I mean, all those feelings that they, they conflict. It's like on the one hand, you're sad because why can't it be a good relationship? And then you're angry because, well, God, you know, why did she have to screw it up? And, right. you know, guilty because, well, why didn't I do what I was supposed to do to be the good daughter? And, it's just, it's like, bleh, you well, know, I mean, well, it's, okay. It's, so this is what's so interesting about what you're saying <laughs> is I think that people think that if they eliminate that person from their life, that, that somehow that goes- the pain will go away, that somehow no. the relationship <laughs> and you know, I, the reason I know that doesn't work is because people's mothers have died <laughs> right? and they're still deeply entrenched and enmeshed in those relationships. So I think it's important. I would never say to anyone that I could possibly know whether they should be in a relationship with their mother or not physically. But I do know for sure, especially based on what you just said, is that deleting the relationship does not end it for sure. Right. And the term relationship is kind of fascinating because if you are born to a mother, right, which we all are, (laughs) you're in a relationship with her and you're going to be in relationship with her forever. Yes. It's just, it is, it's a relationship. Right. You know, it, it exists because the two of you are exist, whether she's dead or not, or whether you're dead or not. I mean, it's just, it exists. And so it's not like you can actually really truly delete it. Right. And I think that's so important to know, because I think that, you know, we call it changing the sea. We want to just remove the problem, but it's a thought problem. It's a series of thoughts. It's how we relate to other people in our lives and what we make those relationships mean that either cause us the pain or not. And that's true whether your mother was very nurturing and available and had very clear boundaries or didn't. And so the way that I like to think about, you know, the work that I've done in my relationship with my mom is I think it's some of the hardest work I've ever done, but I also think it's the work that makes me the most proud. Me too. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. I feel really proud of myself for having done that work and and having done it in such a loving way for myself and for her, even though it was so challenging. And I, and I did have so much anger and resentment and really being able to work through that was so, so important to me. And let's talk a little bit just, you know, before we wrap up here, let's talk a little bit about how doing this work, right, on ourselves it's not work on the mother. Please hear us say right. that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go yep, tell your mother how she should behave differently. Don't try and give your mother a manual. She will not follow it ever. Yeah. That's one of the things I cover very intensely. <laughs> good. Good. But um, when you do this work on yourself, what are some of the other benefits you've seen in your life from doing it? Well, you know, it's funny because these are some of those intangible things that, you know, they're they're not sexy, but... I mean, you didn't, you didn't lose 30 pounds? <laughs> no, <laughs> true. Well, but I've stopped binge eating. Oh, I mean, that's, and that's interesting. Been a long, yeah, that's been a long time coming. I mean, I binged, ate, like, whew, all crazy, crazy. I truly love myself and my body. And I think that body image is one of those things that shows up in a lot of women who have mother issues or father issues for that matter. But just being truly content, Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean like, oh, I'm happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. But like, it's like being able to sort of like just ride the waves of life, feeling like I've got myself, I've got my back, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Yes. Oh, here's, here's some trouble happening over here and we're sad or whatever, but like, it's okay. Yes. I'm okay. Like I know how to care for myself in this moment. Yeah. 
I know for me what it did, which was, I mean, glaringly obvious, was reduce the amount of anxiety I was creating for myself. Oh, huge. Oh, my goodness. I had so much anxiety all of the time that, of course, I was blaming on her. But really, I was creating myself and uh, in the way that I thought about her. And it's really interesting. So I'll share this. I kind of shared this before we started the recording, but I just recently went and spent, I bought her Mother's Day present. And it was this at this beautiful resort and I paid for everything. And we went to this beautiful resort and um, I decided that I was just going to make it all about her. Right. I put these boundaries in place a couple years ago and I've really made it, you know, carefully about me. And so I'm like, nope, this is going to be all about her and whatever she wants to do. And wherever she wants to eat, whatever she wants to do, it's all going to be. And I'm just going to completely not, you know, have my own boundaries here or try and do what I want to do. I'm going to make this about her for Mother's Day. And anyway, what was so interesting for me about that was I came back from that trip so filled with anxiety. And I was fascinated by how I felt that I had exactly the opposite of what you were saying there, as I think it had, it was kind of like, I don't know, it's crazy to say, but it was like post-traumatic for me because it was like that constant denial of what I want and need. So I'm curious, why, why did you choose to do it that way and make it all about her and do it? And what was, do you know, like underneath I, why I, you were doing I, that? I don't think that at the time I consciously like really knew this, right? Obviously, I wouldn't have done it had I, but I think because I've been so clear with my boundaries and I say no to my mom so often. And, you know, she's like, hey, do you want to go to this? Do you want to go to this? Do you want to go to do this? You know, and it's always no, 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 because I need to do that for my own self. And so mm-hmm. I think I felt like, you know what? I'm just going to say, yes, I'm just going to do this. And I think the reason why is because I, I still am processing guilt about all the boundary stuff that I, that I do do. But I'll tell you what it did. I'm, I'm really glad that it, I did it the way I did because it really helped me understand how important it is for me to not do that and to take care of myself and to, mm-hmm. um, you know, really acknowledge and have boundaries and have, you know, small doses of work that I, that I need to do. Because when, when I'm around my mom, I have to do a lot of self-coaching work. <laughs> and it's okay. I don't mind doing it. But I think for extended periods of time, I feel like in some ways, and I know this sounds so dramatic and I need to do thought work on it, but I feel like in some ways I just threw myself to the wolves by doing that. It, it was, well, it, it's kind of like a heroin addict that like decided to go on a binge. <laughs> Well, you know, no, I think that I, I can't say I've done it in exactly that way, Yeah. but I think it's like te- we have to test ourselves. Mm. And that's what I did last summer when I went to see my mom. It was mm. like, all right, it's, you know, is this the exact right thing to do? I don't know, but let's go see. Let's see where I'm at. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's all good if you can do it with that sort of understanding or awareness or maybe if you don't quite have it, but like, again, that's what this, that's what this work does for you is it, it allows you to make choices that, well, you're not quite sure how it's going to go, but you know, in the back of your mind that even if it sucks, even if you come away like you did and you know, like, ah, you're like, okay, I still have my own back and next time I can do it differently or next time I'm not going to do that or, you know, whatever. Well, here's what I learned. I learned that, just going in and focusing on pleasing her 
Because I think I thought, like, what's the big deal? Let's just like have it be all. She wants it to be all about her. Let's just make it all about her, and we'll just do it. Um, and I think for me, I felt like, what's the big deal? But it's a really big deal for me, and it was really not okay. The other thing that I learned is that it w- it wasn't enough, and it would never have been enough. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that was really like I think for me, really healing because I think I saw myself what I've been trying to do my whole life. It's this idea, will I ever be good enough? And there is, I mean, I couldn't have done this better. <laughs> well, I don't think, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, the whole trip and everything I did, it was so over the top and so loving and giving and in a kind of um, contrived way for me because it wasn't genuine and it wasn't um, something that I really genuinely and I don't know if anyone who hasn't been through this can understand what I'm saying. It was like I was willing to go through the motions because I knew that's what she wanted, but it wasn't yeah. coming from it's like it's like when I teach you guys about the manual and I ask you, do you want someone to follow your manual even if they don't want to? And people some people will say, Yeah. But that's what I felt like I was doing. I'm like, I'm gonna follow the manual even though I don't really want to for her. And what's so um, interesting about that for me was that I saw that it didn't actually please her. It didn't fully satisfy the need. The need was still there and very strong for more, more, more. It was almost insatiable. And for me, it was dishonest in a way. I think that felt that's what created so much anxiety for me is the truth is I need boundaries. I need space. I need to be alone. I need to be able to go and get my hair done without her coming. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, I need no, that. Totally. I need that space. And so by not allowing for my own boundaries, I really, I let myself down and without even realizing it. And so I came away from that with like such a deeper wisdom, I think. But, but I will tell you, and maybe you can tell me what you think about this is like the level of anxiety that I experienced was so intense afterwards that I think it reminded me like that's the amount of anxiety that I used to have all of the time. Exactly. Yes. Anxiety is fascinating to me because I have had, I've struggled with it. And I think for those of us who grew up in similar situations, Mm -hmm. we are constantly on the lookout. Like we're constantly vigilant. Yeah. For a lot of different reasons, for whatever the reasons are, we're vigilant and that's, we grow up to be vigilant and we're constantly scanning the, you know, the environment for clues on, you know, whatever it is and making sure, is everybody happy? Is she happy? Is she getting upset right now? You know, like, and we're constantly just clued into that. Yeah. And that whole idea that we're making her responsible for the environment or we're, I guess we're making her responsible for n- not being the way she is. Yeah. And my anxiety, I didn't even think it was tied to my mom. I didn't either. I had no idea. I had no idea and that it had anything to do with that relationship. This is so fascinating. It is because, and, and I know you coached me way back when on what I thought was a phobia of other people throwing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I never thought I was going to get over that. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would get over that. It just got worse and worse and worse. And what I think now is that I just basically took generalized anxiety and put it on that. It's like why some people are afraid of squirrels or, you know, some, you know, weird, like, why are they afraid of that? You know, I can totally relate to that because what happened to me 
and this this used to happen to me in, in my life all the time. As I, I've gotten much better at dealing with anxiety, just because I've done so much work. And you know, we did a whole session with Kelly McCormick on anxiety. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, her I work that. is just so brilliant. But one of the things that I noticed is like, okay, so when I came home from this trip, I happened to come home by myself, which was so lovely. My kids were off with friends and my dogs were with my husband and I came home and was by myself and was riddled with anxiety. And I noticed that I latched on to a certain thing at work and made it about that. Right. And I noticed myself, I started obsessing about it and started thinking about it and started like worrying about mistakes. And, and this is kind of a clue, right? Is when your reaction to something doesn't fit the situation when it's like so over the top. And so it's exactly what you were saying about the throwing up thing. It's like all of a sudden you're like, I want to make sense of this. So I'm going to make it about this. And, and what I was able to do is just be like, you're okay. It's totally fine. And then really take responsibility for literally what I had done to myself. And Uh that, that is to say, this is nothing against my mother at all. She had no part in this. She didn't ask for it. She didn't demand it. Nothing. It has nothing to do with her at all. And I wouldn't blame her for it. It was completely on my own accord. And I will tell you that owning that was what made it easier for Uh me to process my own anxiety. Otherwise, I would have been completely angry and resentful on top of the anxiety and wouldn't have been able to acknowledge it. Yeah. And I, as I said, I never thought I would get over that. And I can't say that I'm like 100% over it. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it's vastly better. Yes. Vastly better. Right. And I mean, it's so funny because after the, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, the, the mastermind, the life coach school mastermind in March, yeah. my husband and I drove up the coast up to Washington and he actually got sick. He got a stomach bug. Uh Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> You're like, don't you dare throw up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, did. God bless him. He's, he's an amazing man. He woke up in the middle of the night and he's like, oh, do we have any Tums? You know? Right. right. And I'm like, you know, whatever. And and I, I, I could tell that he wasn't feeling well. And right. he was trying to take care of me. Right. Right. And I'm like, dear, I'm like, if you're sick, go get sick, dear. Right. You know, it's just go totally get sick. Fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You know? And I was like, oh, my God, who am I? <laughs> you know? You're like, listen, buddy, you but better no, not throw up. <laughs> no, but he did. He did. Yeah. And he, he, you know, he had 24 hours of feeling like crap once he, you know, and, yeah. but like it was okay. And I was okay. And he, you know, eventually was okay. And I impressed the hell out of myself. Mm-hmm. And it was because, and I know it's because I have done this other work. Yeah, for sure. I totally can relate to that. And I totally agree. Because I, I never thought it would, I, I thought they were two different things. Right. Right. And hello, they weren't. <laughs> yeah. And I think generalized anxiety can so easily be be solved by thought work and by self-coaching. And I shouldn't say easily be solved. No, <laughs> Let's not, be easily, real. not no. easily. But I think it can be understood in a much better it, way because you can, what you can do is you can see how in many instances, what we believe is causing our anxiety is so illogical that we can find the other, maybe more elusive thoughts that are, that are causing it. And it can also be, and this is, I think, the number one thing I want to say is that it can be fun. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so serious and dreadful. It does yeah. not have to be serious. And like a lot of my clients, and I, it's been my experience too, that like 
therapy is looking back with dread and dredging up and crying and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have made it a point to say, we're going to move forward and have fun while doing it. Yeah. And I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Okay. So I know that there's people that are listening to this that are like, oh my gosh, you're talking my language. I need your help. I want coaching on this. So I gave your email at the beginning and I know that we'll have it in the show notes if people want to get in touch with you and work with you. Is there anything you want to add? Yes. I have a book coming out on September 1st about all of this. Oh, brilliant. Do we have a title yet? <laughs> I don't have a title yet. Oh, okay. I work with my publisher cool. and um, it's funny because I was actually talking to, to them a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, we have to get a title. We have to get a title. And the, they said, well, blame it on us because we don't have a title yet. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Well, what's great is if you go to Karen's website, you guys can opt into her list and she gives yes, you and I amazing will, goodies. You'll get information. Yeah. And then you'll get about. you'll get information. And you can also work with Karen one on one and you can find out more information about that on her website. I highly recommend that if you are struggling with any of the stuff that we have shared with you, that you um do that. So anyway, Karen, we've gone way over time, but <laughs> I love, love, love talking about this and I love talking to you. And so I'm so glad to have shared this time with you. So thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was, it was awesome. Thank you for listening to the life coach school podcast. It would be incredibly awesome if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes for any questions, comments, or coaching issues you would like to hear on the show please visit us at www.thelifecoachschool.com. 